what we do here is go back, 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 back. What I think is that, like you started with a camera and there is a lens. And I believe that there are inside that lens, many photographers. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Tape Podcast. I am Mike McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald. And we got a really good set of games coming up this weekend. How you feeling? Really good, actually, now <laughs> that you mention it. No, it's, it's, it's a good weekend. It's an exciting weekend. A lot of good football. You know, four games. The best eight teams that are still in it right now. You know, it, it's always highly competitive. Wildcard weekend, I love it because, you know, two triple headers and the Natty on Monday. It's great because there's so much football, but this is the best quality football that you're going to see and, and really matchups that you've been hoping throughout the, you know, the year would happen. So it's exciting and I'm just ready. To, I'm ready to rock I'm ready yeah. to get into it. So just for what we're going to cover, um, we'll start with a little bit of a Raiders update. Um, you know, we want to be able to touch on any pertinent news that does come through as, as we're you know recording the pod and, and getting into the playoff time. So We'll make sure to keep you up to date there. Um, we'll get into our playoff preview where we are going to do the same thing, split up the games. So we have two Saturday, two Sunday. Micah will take a side. I will take the other. We'll give our reasons why we think they could win, possibilities of why they could lose. We'll give our ultimate prediction, which, as we mentioned, we'll update on Twitter this weekend just to make it clean. And then, um, you know, from there, we'll get into our one mortal lock of the weekend for the spread. We'll pick one rock and roll there. Who knows if we'll have a one-on-one matchup again. Not sure. I'm not really sure about these mortal locks because, you know, Mel Dreamy says I'm trash. I, I probably have no idea what I'm doing here in the playoff <laughs> time, but little does he know. I buckled down. Man. You're really holding down. on to that one. Aren't you? Well, it was, <laughs> it was some it was shots. Bad taste. It. Yeah. it was a bad taste. You know, it's like, Hey man, it's, it's like the dude that's like, I can make that throw on the couch. You know, he's <laughs> like, Oh, Derek Carr, I would make that throw. It's like, no dude. You're not in the game, Mel Jamie. You are not in the game, man. But I think he could do this. It's not the equivalent of playing football. So we'll do our mortal locks. And we have some special listener questions to wrap it all up, uh, wrap it all up and send you home as always. So first point, Raiders update. They ended up finding a defensive coordinator. They hired Gus Bradley, one of the favorites that, you know, you and I had talked offline about and, and kind of, you know, there's a couple different options, but, what are your thoughts about us bringing on Gus Bradley? Do you like it? Not like it? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I do like it. I know uh, when me and uh, Mel Dreamy, uh, when he came on for the special guest host, we talked about that a little bit. And uh, he's got a proven defense. He's a proven you know defensive coordinator that is done well by all accounts. And I'm excited to just get some new blood in there at defensive coordinator. Not too thrilled about the fact that his first name is Paul which I Googled it to, you know, make sure we had all our facts straight on everything. And it said, Paul Bradley. And yeah. That's so, concerning. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm like, it's Gus Bradley, right? I don't know. Like it's, it's common to just rattle it off. And then you're like, oh yeah, well I'll check to make sure whatever. And then you're like, uh Oh, <laughs> it's Paul. <laughs> Another Paul. <laughs> so that's my only concern with it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Everything I've looked at, looked up, and kind of done some research on seems like he's very big cover one type of type of guy as far as our coverage is concerned. So we will see, um, essentially, going to see Trayvon and, and Arnett on some islands uh, early and often, probably. So it's definitely going to be fun. Definitely going to be interesting. I'm excited for just a new thing. It kind of knocks out the anticipation and podcast content of who's going to be the DC, you know, pretty early. But I'm glad we have a guy. I'm glad we have a proven guy and. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait for it. Not happy about another Paul, but happy it's not another Gunther. So yeah, well he he's a Gus in my opinion. So yeah, definitely we're gonna Gus. we're gonna rock that way. But no, I think you bring up a good point because you know he is predominantly known for running the Seattle Cover Three scheme, right? But I I think you know it's easy, right? Because fans can be like Cover Three, like and whatever dive into it. But what you brought up is like, hey, he predominantly ran Cover One, right? So if you look at the percentage of snaps and what they were in throughout the year, 2020 at the, you know, with the chargers is he ran cover one 
for the most part. And obviously cover three was right net right there. So it doesn't mean that we're just going to sit in zone coverage on second and one, you know, so just like relax. And I think we, you know, what we'll do is probably add some uh, more of an in-depth deep dive into, into his scheme, into different things of just what to expect. Um, so I will refrain from, from going on um, a little bit of a, a run here, but what I would advise Raider nation and the fans is be patient for a second before you jump to conclusions of, of whether this is a good or a bad hire, the roster is going to change drastically. Like let's wait until we get really into training camp to say, Hey, okay, this is the defense. This is the team. And how does that fit with the scheme? Because there's so many players that are at the end of their deal. Are they going to retain them? You know, are they going to um, sign different players in the off season and who do we draft? So let's just relax for a second and be able to assess whether this is a good fit once we get into saying this is what it's going to look like. And then this is what it is. So I think um, my experience with Twitter is Twitter is electric. And I've mentioned that before, but it's like, it's kind of crazy. It's like crazy addicting, but like, why am I addicted to this craziness? I guess. But it's like, it's like, we've already written him off as good or bad. And I'm like, well, hold on a second, you know? So I would just encourage everyone to say, Hey, take a look at his past figure out how it could work with the Raiders and then let's assess them how we shape the roster moving into the next year. And then let's see how the results are before we crown it one way or the other. Right. I just think it's, it's easy to jump to conclusions. And I think that is also what Twitter is, is like, this is what it is. Hot takes. Like, yeah, it's hot takes and, and people just want to be heard and that's fine. But I would just say, relax, figure out why it could work, figure out what the challenges may be. And then let's see how we make moves to fit that scheme. Because one of my first questions was, hey, cover three, does that work for us? Gruden likes to be in four-man fronts, whatever, right? But let's see how it works and let's see what we end up visioning, you know, or what they end up putting into place for what the vision of this defense and what the scheme is going to be. And like you mentioned, cover three base, but they ran cover one a lot, which we did too. So I'm good there. You good to move on. Yeah. I think it'd be nice to, to dive into a little bit more of a, a deep dive of his history and background and different things like that. So playoff preview, mm-hmm. original round. Big time games coming on Saturday slate. We have Rams at Green Bay is the first game we're going to get into. Um, so currently right now, the Rams or sorry, uh, the Packers are six and a half point favorites. Micah, you have the Rams. I have the Packers. Let's hear your Rams pitch. I believe you had the Rams last week. No, I had the Rams last week. Yeah, yeah. I had but they ended up obviously winning and breaking our bracket up, which is why we got to send a dang update. But what do you think about the Rams? Where are some things that they can do well and be able to win this game? And where are some challenges they're facing? Well, I will say that first off, I personally, I hope they do not win this game because that would just absolutely crush my whole bracket no down to the very bottom. But I think you look at the Rams and you look at how dominant that defense is any given day. A dominant defense can go out and shut down the likes of an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, a Drew Brees, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen. A good defense can go out and they're on a perfect day. They can shut people like that down. We saw last week how the offense was kind of in so much shambles. You got Cooper Cup just came back from the COVID. You don't know if Goff's playing. They start Wolford. Wolford gets hurt. Then Goff has to come in and play and they don't have any other backup. And it's one of those games where you're looking at it and you're like, all right, if the Rams defense can hold off enough, the offense can score some points and just kind of cringe to a lead. It's very surprising that Russ Wilson didn't go off like he did, um, but playing them twice a year, they, you know, they understand them. But I don't think the Rams played the Packers this year. No. So they haven't, neither of these teams have seen each other, right? And I just think that it's going to be very, very difficult for a Rams team to go out there with such a question mark at offense, put up enough points to outsling Aaron Rodgers if need be. Now, you've got Jalen Ramsey out there. You got Aaron Donald out there on the D-line also. So you got you essentially got elite players on the front and the back end of your defense. How Ramsey does against Adams is going to be a big question mark. And, you know, if Aaron Donald can get the pass rush on Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be their biggest chance at really – holding down this Green Bay offense that's just been lights out as of lately. So my personal prediction, I think the Packers are going to win this one. I also hope the Packers are going to win this one, like I mentioned a second ago. But if the Rams are going to go out there and compete 
they're going to have to try to keep Green Bay under 20 points, 25 points, which is going to be a very hard thing to do. It's going to be one of those things where it they have to just have a lights out, like never played better than they've ever played before type of game if they're going to stop A-Rod. And I don't think they'll be able to. Yeah, I mean, and that's it's a great point and really the strong suit of their of their team this whole year and especially last week. So agree with you there, you know, for the, on the Packers side, you know, advantages it's Rogers is just on fire and most likely will win the MVP. Um, I do think that, you know, if you look at their run last year, it was kind of Aaron Jones's uh, kind of his breakout year. Uh, one of the things that put him on the map, but even, even then he's, he's even increased it to, you know, this year too. So they're, they're more balanced, um, they're definitely able to beat you in different ways. So, and that's, that's important. That's important in, um, in playoff football, because if you look at last week and you look at the winners, half of them were run first teams, you know, half of them were pounding the rock, playing good defense. And, you know, if the Packers are able to, you know, if, if they see some issues early on in, in the passing game, I think they could shift a little bit and try to run, but it's a stout Rams front that you're going to do that. But I think they have a balanced attack where they can show, different things and, and the Rams aren't going to commit to one or the other. Um, they may have to at some point, but you know, who knows? So I think they're more balanced. I think Rogers Adams are so electric, but you know, I think also on the flip side of the ball is, is the Rams offense. It's a question mark, right? So um, today they ruled out Wofford. So there's not that threat or idea of like, Hey, who's showing up on Sunday? You know, he's ruled out prep for golf, Blake Bortles boat, I threw a little bit of, you know, a little bit of nastiness towards him last pod around. A lot of shade. I don't know if I said nastiness. A lot of shade on on Bortles. That's what the kids are saying. So, um, but Blake, I, I did say I love you. I'm happy you're back in in, in the NFL. And potentially if, if Goff's thumb is not good and it freezes up in, in Lambeau, you might see him out there. So it's just a question mark. You know, they have to be able to run the ball and they could be a little bit one-sided in there. So you could see the, you might see the Packers sell out a little bit and say, Hey, I'm, we're going to put seven, eight guys in the box and you show us that you can throw the ball deep Jared Goff with a broken thumb in the cold. So we'll see how it goes. Um, a lot of things are favoring the Packers there, but you know, really what, what they may be up against and a, a disadvantage against their offense, obviously the Rams defense, like you mentioned. So they're, they're awesome right now. And defense wins championships. Everyone says that, but they are, they keep them in the game. Um, their best chance, as you mentioned, is a low scoring game, getting Rodgers off the field, keeping him on the sideline. Um, you know, you have Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. I think that's something that you should look at where it's like, no duh, you have one of the best corners against one of the best receivers, but it's more about the scheme. Like, do you, do you think that Ramsey is just dedicated to Adams and he's just going to eliminate him? And then where do they go? Or is it going to be, they're not going to, you know, Ramsey's going to take one side of the field, which when he's faced Hopkins, you know, in the past or DK Metcalf last week, he played him for probably 50 or 60% of the snaps, but not every snap. So what does that matchup look like? Where do the Rams, you know, show their hand from the defense side of the ball? Um, and I think the run game is, is the Rams strong suit right now. Cam Akers coming on like gangbusters a little bit and you can run on the Packers. It's been proven. And so that's the weak point of their um, defense. And the secondary is a little bit stronger with, you know, Jair Alexander out there. So, you know, we'll see how it matches up. It, it's going to be interesting, but ultimately I agree with you. I would hate to see the Rams win for our projections at least, but I do think the Packers win. Um, the six and a half scares me. Um, it's not going to be my mortal lock. I'll just say it right now, but you could just see a wonky game that they end up, you know, the Packers take over towards the end and it's they squeak one out. It's a tough one. So I'll take the Packers. It'll be interesting how it works Saturday game. West Coast team traveling to the East Coast. I don't think there's going to be snow projected, but it will be cold. I can guarantee that. Packers win, which helps our bracket and helps Rodgers get to the next step towards conference championship play. Next game, this is going to be a banger. Ravens at Buffalo. We have Buffalo minus two and a half. Micah, you have the Bills. I have the Ravens, which gave me a little bit of cred last week. Thank you, Ravens. But Consider this for a second from, um, you know, we talk more to locks, which is betting, which is line spread, things like that. Buffalo is two and a half at home. And as we've talked about before, home team usually gets a three point grace, not grace period, but like a grace number. It's like, Hey, three points, you're at home. You don't have to travel. You don't have to do anything. It's two and a half. So I would say Vegas, the ones that set the line are a little conflicted here. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting. It's just something to keep an eye on. 
But you have the Bills. Give us some thoughts. What do you think about this matchup against the Ravens? Well, it's definitely going to be a good matchup. The obvious biggest advantage the Bills have is that they have Josh Allen, who is just on a complete tear right now. On the ground, through the air, he's doing it all. The unfortunate part is that he is doing it all. So their run game hasn't been great for them. Uh, Against the Colts, they didn't put up a whole lot of yards outside of Josh Allen himself, put up the most rushing yards out of the three guys. You know, they did kind of have to just keep slinging it out against the Colts, and he was obviously able to do that. But it's going to be a really cold game out there in Buffalo. I think that it's going to be very interesting on both defenses' sides of the ball because it, essentially you're looking at the Bills' defense is looking at Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' defense is looking at Josh Allen. And you're like, how do we control these two quarterbacks who are very dynamic, especially on the ground? It's one of those things. It's it's cold, may not be able to throw the ball. I don't think there's supposed to be any like snow or weather or anything, but it's harder to throw the ball in the cold. You know, it's harder to get things going. You want to get the running game going more often. And if Josh Allen can just continue to do everything, they don't need any other part of their offense to show up. So I think that the Ravens are obviously going to be in just a big time, like shut Josh Allen down any way we can and like make them give Devin Singletary the ball, make him give Zach Moss the ball as far as the running game is concerned. Uh, I think that on the defensive side of the ball, they got torched um, on the ground against the Colts. They gave up a lot of points in general to the Colts themselves, who, you know, we, as we talked about, are one of those offenses that they've got the talent to explode and they're, you know, a good offense. We kind of got to get everything going, get the running game going. So Phillip Rivers can kind of do, and Phillip Rivers got going too. So they're going to have to try to wrangle things in really, really quickly. So Lamar just doesn't get out of control with stuff. I think that the bills will win this game. It's going to be a very close game, but I think in the end, Josh Allen, I think he will do more than Lamar can do to will his team to victory. So tough game. It's going to be a basically a, which defense can shut down the other quarterback better or can contain them better. And I think the bills come out on top of that one. Yeah, no, I agree, man. It's, it's man, this is such a tough game. It's a good game. And I think that's what we'll see is we'll see two really good teams that match up well against each other and, and let's go. So um, that's what playoff football is all about on the Ravens side. I think, you know, they're one of the hotter teams right now, you know, that's six straight wins that they've had. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week, but they were kind of on the outside looking in for the playoffs and it had to win out. So every game was the biggest game of the year. So one of the hotter teams right now have a lot of momentum and, you know, kind of not like nothing to lose, but last year they were 14 and two, they were kind of like what everyone was circling and saying, you know, we're going to go after you similar to like the chiefs this year where it's like there, there's not going to be this like lull or like, are you going to take anything for granted here? They're hot. They're ready to go. They're battle tested. So, you know, some of my points is, is, is what you nailed is, is, is the run game for the Ravens, which they feature a lot with, you know, JK Dobbins, you have Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram sprinkled in there um, and Lamar. So there's four running players that you have to account for. So their rushing attack is going to be on full, full effect, um, you know, Colts ran for 160 plus last week, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines. Um, so it's, it, that favors the Ravens on that side of the ball. And I also think that they are a team that are going to, you know, capitalize on mistakes. This is something I didn't bring up to you. And I, and I mentioned this, I, I watched every game, but not to the fullest extent. I didn't watch every down, but the amount of you just can't trade touchdowns for field goals that I heard on the broadcast, I was like, are you guys listening to the pod? Cause like we need, you know, get some listener questions in or at least subscribe, you know, but I was like, yeah, we talked about this. And so what the Raiders struggle with all year is obviously even more critical in the playoffs and the Ravens aren't a team that, you know, doesn't take advantage of those. Right. So when Josh Allen hits all the buttons on Madden and he ends up fumbling or throwing it backwards or whatever, the Ravens are going to capitalize. And I think this is one of those games where it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard fought, but it's really like you mentioned, which team can hone in on that quarterback on the other side of the ball and be able to capitalize on mistakes. If you get a turnover or a big sack or a bad punt in a you know, good field position, whatever. So, but that's what they do. And, and the Ravens are a big momentum team. So you get a stop, you get a turnover and then Lamar gets loose and you're, you're trailing from behind. But, you know, on the flip side of things where I don't see it's a good matchup for the Ravens is really Lamar throwing the ball through the air. Right. So which is where you throw the ball through the air. Sometimes it's 
lower, but it's usually through the year. <laughs> it's not a strong suit of his, and everyone knows that. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. I think he's such a game changer, but he struggles in the true pocket passing aspect of the game. And, you know, a lot of it is off play action. A lot of it is boots rolling left or right or off the read option. So he has a good arm. He has a good arm strength, but it's not, he's not a pure thrower of the football. And I think that's where he's going to struggle. And that's, you know, really where they should be attacking the the bills or not be attacking, but if, if you're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball and be able to pick up chunk yards, you have to be able to take some shots off play action Hollywood Brown has came on a little bit towards the end of the year, but that's a disadvantage. It's not really a strong suit that I think the Colts were, I guess, better equipped to actually attack that part of the game. So um, another disadvantage is home field advantage, which is rare in 2020, 2021 with the pandemic, but the bills can have fans bills mafia. I mean, come on guys, they're going through tables. They're lighting some things on fire and that it's going to be a factor, not as big of a factor, but traveling, playing in the cold, playing with actual fans in there is just different. So that that's going to be some of it. And then, I mean, really it's, it's a good matchup on both sides. I, I, I'm going to stay true with the bills, but I do not feel great about this. So like if the Ravens win, I'm going to be like, yeah, I not surprised here, but I just want the bills to win. I want Josh Allen to keep going, but man, the Ravens are tough. But if anything, if the bills are able to come out victorious here, it's going to be such a good game for them to take on to the AFC championship, which professional transition there. We're going to get to Sunday morning, new slate. We have Browns chiefs. So bills mafia, I'm rolling with you. If you win, you're going to play the winner of this game. So Browns are traveling to the chiefs after their upset victory over the Steelers. Chiefs are favored by 10. Okay. Got it. Understood. You have the chiefs. I have the Browns. What are some advantages the Chiefs have outside of everything on earth? But what do you think that that they're going to be able to capitalize on or maybe some things they'll be challenged on you know, with this Browns team? Well, I think that obviously the biggest advantage is they have Patrick Mahomes and they have Terry Kill, they have Travis Kelsey, they have maybe Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but I believe he should be playing. They have all of these guys that are really, really good and they're playing the Browns. And I know that that is so Juju Smith-Schuster of me to say, but the Browns last week essentially got spotted 28 points and then still only won by 11. I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to go out there. They have the home field advantage as well. The Browns had a spark last week of luck and right place, right time. You know, they were able to get pressure on Big Ben. Patrick Mahomes can escape the pocket and make things happen. He can run away from people and still throw the ball downfield, which Big Ben cannot do. So that was a, one of the things that helped them so much last week. I don't think they're going to be able to capitalize on that this week. Now, if the Chiefs go out there and their defense is suspect and they you know, can't really get any stops, can't get much going as far as kind of limiting the Browns in the way that they – ground and pound it, and then try to get some play action as well. Baker Mayfield went off last week. He very well could go off against this defense as well, but it's going to take a lot to even try to keep close in a shootout with the Chiefs. I don't think the Browns are equipped to win a shootout, and I don't think they will win. I think the Chiefs will win. Uh, It's just going to be a tough game for the Browns. I'm probably going to eat my words because I kind of said the same thing about the Steelers too, but that would be the most fantastic thing to have to eat my words this coming recap pod. But I think the Chiefs go out there. They had a whole two weeks to plan for these guys. Well, I guess not plan for these guys, but they had a whole two weeks of rest, kind of game planning for, you know, they knew one of the two teams that they would be facing. And Andy Reid off a bye, man. You know, that's what they say. (laughs) That's what the people say. So all that being said, Chiefs are reigning champs for a reason. I think they go out there and then put a stomping on the Browns and they say, this is who we are. We are who you thought we were. Chiefs win. Yeah, I know that was tough to pick the Chiefs in that, but um, I applaud you. And and I didn't also, you know, I was, you know, I told you earlier, I was, you know, I signed these games and tried to be fair, but I was like, oh, well, you, you could take the Chiefs. I'll take the Browns. But I'm like, do you want to take the Chiefs? Because, you know, we hate them, you know, but it's because they're so good. So let's get into some positives, Brown fans. Okay. Your run game is awesome. You have a two headed monster, um, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. They're great. Got to establish a run. Baker is best off play action. And when it's not just a pure 
passing game where he has to throw the ball 40, 50 times. So that's where their offense is best. That's what the scheme is. That's what Stefanski likes to do. So good there. And and I think teams have proven they can run the ball in the chiefs. Um, So there's something you have a lot of momentum. I think you, you got into the playoffs in a pretty crazy way, upset the Steelers division rival. Was that your Super Bowl? I don't know, you know, but there's some momentum there. I think you have a team that, you know, to my next point, they have nothing to lose. I talked about the Ravens and I think the Ravens just have less pressure on them from last year. This Browns team has nothing to lose. If they get blown out, it was expected. Right. But because of that, you don't grip the bat. You don't go in there saying, Oh, and overthink things. You just go out and play, let it rip and see what happens. So I wish there were more things that showed up to where you have, you know, have, have a little bit more optimism going into this, but I think the play, you know, playoff time, you just ride on momentum and you ride on some things that you can do and you do the things, you know, you do the things that you do well and you just attack and see how it goes. Right. Um, and disadvantages, I just put chiefs dot, dot, dot. Right. So I, I don't know. It's, it's the chiefs. So it's, it's, it's hard to match up against them on your defense. You know, they do have a, a solid D line and they have some guys in the secondary, but they have so many weapons. And even when you take one of them away, they have two or three more. So it's a tough matchup. You're not expected to win. The Chiefs have so many different ways they can beat you. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire is questionable. He may play, but then you have Lev Bell who has experience in the playoffs and, you know, he's played what, what, like five or six weeks. And, and I think, you know, he's probably getting into some game shape a little bit and getting into, you know, ready to roll. So he could very well step in with a layer out and, and take it, you know, so a lot is against the chiefs or sorry, against the Browns. I think they have a chance of covering. That would be interesting to see. Um, but hopefully they can create some turnovers or just create some good juju like they had from that Steelers game and NC, but I have chiefs winning as well. I agree with you. They're great. We all know it. This is a, this is a good one. So Ravens bills and this one top two games in, from my perspective of the weekend, you have the Bucks traveling to New Orleans. Okay. Mike is representing the saints. I am representing the Bucks. Saints are favored by three already made the notion about getting three points. So in Vegas's eyes, this is a pick them mm-hmm. basically, right? Just giving the New Orleans a hometown discount. So you got the saints let's rock and roll. What do you see? What are your predictions here? Well, I look at, the most simple fact of all and it's that these teams have played each other twice and the saints have won both those games now it's hard to beat the same team three times but when you need to go out there and do it in the playoffs i think drew Brees can do that now i talked a lot of ish about him last week does he have it can he do it well he had it last game and he did it last game and the second time that they played the bucks they blew him out 38 to 3 drew Brees threw for four touchdowns I think that it's going to be probably another another shootout like we've like we saw in the week one actually was the first time that they played each other. I think that it's gonna be one of those things where you got two you got two vets going against each other. It's gonna be some old fashioned playoff football. And I think if they can really find different ways in the passing game and in the running game to get Kamara the ball and just get him an open space and get him just going in general, I think that that's gonna go a long way in in really helping Breeze kind of not have to do everything. But, you know, you got Sean Payton versus Bruce Arians. You got Tom Brady versus Drew Breeze. It's going to be a a showdown for the ages. I do believe that this is not Tom Brady's year to do anything past this round. I do believe that the Saints are going to go out here and win this game. Like you said, it's a pick em. It's a hard one to go by. I'm going but really based off the fact that the Saints beat them twice already. I think that they are kind of rolling as well. You know, last week they played the Bears, and no one really went off stats-wise in general. They won 21-7 to to, you know, they did enough. Like we said, they you know, got to a point where it was kind of close, and then they just kind of ran away with it. I think that they're going to have to pull out all the stops if they're going to beat Brady and the Bucks. But I think New Orleans comes out with a win. I don't know what the number is, but hammer the over on this game. It the, it, it might be 65. You might want to just hammer that anyways. So, uh, yeah, I think that this is definitely, like you said, going to be the best or top two uh, games this week. And it's going to be a fantastic one. We got on a Sunday night. Well, you know, I said that it was, you know, one of the top two games. And now it's 
now it's the top game because, and this is good for content. You know, if you and I just go chalk and we agree, it's good. And I think it's fair, but whenever we disagree, there's a little bit extra juice on it, you know? So spoiler alert uh, on my prediction here, but getting into the bucks. Um, and I, I do agree with everything you're saying. I think it's, there are great points and it's, it's, this is so hard to pick, but I'll just do my part here. Advantages, Brady, and this specifically the offense, their identity has been found. So when they played the Saints, um, I believe it was week one and whatever week it was the second time around, they were still figuring it out. And I think, you know, you add Antonio Brown to the mix. I think this team truly has found their identity. And what really changed is that in, you know, let's just call it the first eight to 10 weeks. I think this was a team that, you know, Brady was trying to make it the new, the old New England team, right? So it's quick passes and give me some guys out of the slot, bang, bang, hit it, right? He's not mobile. He's older, doesn't like the pressure in his face, whatever. That's not Arian style. That's not Bruce Arian style. So once they were able to make some adjustments, it, it's really just been play action or five, seven step drop. And, and we're going to hit the, hit the deep routes, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards down the field and take some shots. So they found their identity. I think everyone's seen it, uh, you know, within the last five to six weeks. And that's why I think it's going to be a different game. And I do think a shootout favors the Bucks. You know, their their defense is not as good as advertised. It's not as good as it was earlier, you know. Um, but I don't think the Saints, they have good weapons, but do they have the right quarterback in place to really win in a shootout? I think they're going to win by seven, eight, nine yards, you know, at a time and, and kind of matriculate their way down the field. And so I don't think a shootout favors them. I think it will be a shootout, and that's why I feel more positive towards the Saints. But obviously the Bucks D isn't is, isn't playing up to par right now. But um, and I do think for the Bucks on the Bucks defense, um, they have a strong D line. hasn't been as productive as it could be, but I think it's a, a strong D line where the Saints have really been winning by establishing the run and being able to get Alvin Kamara loose, get Latavius Murray loose, sprinkle and Taysom Hill there once in a while. So. I think there's some favorable matchups for the Bucks. If I was going to look at the other side of the coin, disadvantages, like you mentioned, they've lost twice to them so far. There's a blueprint to how to beat this team. Um, I think the Saints secondary, Marshawn Lattimore, there's some good talent out there to be able to um, maintain this attack the Bucks have. And, you know, who knows? Chauncey Garner-Johnson might just talk shit to someone and and then Mike Evans gets kicked out. Who You know, who knows what's going to happen, but – there, I think the, the Saints secondary matches up well, which is a strong suit of the Bucks. So, um, and really, I think they have a pretty stout defensive line. Um, I would probably say this is the second best defense in the NFL. The Saints defense is probably the second best right now, currently outside of the Rams. So strong defense, they can limit those points. They can limit the shootout um, potential of the game and be able to get to Brady and make him uncomfortable, get him off rhythm a little bit. And, you know, who knows? It's a pick em, like you mentioned, um, but I'm riding with the Bucks, and I get it. Um, if this was the Patriots, Tom Brady, I'd be like not wanting it yeah, more so. But for some reason, I'm pulling for him. I don't know why, yeah. but I think Bucks win. I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be awesome. A great way to close out the Sunday slate. So any final thoughts on this slate before we get into Mortal Locks? No, uh, I think it's just, you know, we got a lot of, a lot of good games ahead of us, you know, and ended it off with – one like that, that could potentially be a shootout of the year. It'd be good. Good one to watch. It will be. Well, let's get into our mortal locks. One of the main things when we do our, our takeaway pod, which is reflecting on the year, the mortal locks were fun, man. You know, and I'm good with it, right? I'm good with saying I got worked in the regular season. I think a lot of people were good with saying that too. But we're in the playoffs now. Mortal locks. I know what I – so I don't know what you have, which I think is fun also. Yeah. You know what I have, but what do you got? Mortal Locks, we got four games. We already unveiled the spread for them. Which game are you picking? What are you riding with and why? Go Mortal Lock King. Well, knowing what you have, the easy thing would be to go against you, but I'm not going to do that. I don't know why. Maybe I just don't want to pit against my brother like some other brothers might want to do. <laughs> just kidding. Huh. huh. So, oh no, I, I actually just don't feel as confident uh, going against what your pick is that is you did going against mine. So, anyways, mine that I picked for this week is going to be the Bills, minus two and a half. 
Here's why. The Colts have a very, very good defense. One of the better defenses in the league. One of the better defenses coming into this playoffs. And Josh Allen still put up 27 points on them. One in a shootout. The Ravens going against the Titans last week. The Titans offense, semi of a one-trick pony, or at least they really, you know, with all pun intended, run behind one section. And that was Derrick Henry. So the Ravens said, stop Derrick Henry, make Tannehill beat us, and they couldn't. You can't go out there and say, stop the run, make your quarterback beat us, or stop the pass and your quarterback and let the run beat you. Because the same guy is doing both of those things. Now, I get if you stop the one guy, you know, almost stop everything. But I don't think you can stop Josh Allen in multiple facets of things, you know, and they're going to figure things out on how to get other guys the ball running it if they need to and whatnot. I think there's just too much of a dynamic for not only the Bills not to win, but for them to win by a field goal or a touchdown or more than three points. So Bills minus two and a half home field advantage. Take the win. Take the points. Yeah, that was um... – that was one of the ones I was tossing around because what it comes down to is if you're going to, if you're going to take the bills to win, that's just a score, right? You know, granted there could be one or two point victory, but the two and a half is attractive, you know, might as well ride with it. So I respect you there. Um, the comments about brother going against brother, I'm not sure if that was, you were talking about me or you're talking about Mel dreamy attacking me. I'm not sure which one you're talking about, but I'll let, I'll let it slide. I mean, I picked the bucks to win, so I'm going bucks plus three, give me three points on the road. I'm all in. And usually when I'm all in is usually when I'm wrong. So fine, fade me if you'd like. I'm one and oh in the playoffs, by the way, if I didn't mention, but Bucks win, you know, just talked about the game. So you kind of know my thoughts there, but I think it's one of those things where if you feel good about a team that's going to win and you're getting points, don't overcomplicate it. I'll leave it there. And I wish you the best. I wish you the best too, my sir. Thanks, man. My sir. I don't know why I called you my sir. Well, you know, it's it's because oh, captain, you're my captain. Yeah, old English respect right there. Thank you, pal, and buddy, and guy, and friend. Well, great, good there. Playoff football is going to be electric. Super excited, super excited to see how our predictions go, how our updated playoff path um, shapes up, and and we'll rock and roll. But it, it wouldn't be right if we didn't take you home with some listener questions. And fortunately, we really get some late minute listener questions by our guy shocker b bauer mr reliable his first question which is important and people should talk about this more b bauer wants to know how do cameras work wow mm-hmm. that's that's it huh? hard, hard-hitting okay. content yeah right from the get-go yeah so i think what happens is so you have your camera and inside of your camera is a big roll of film mm-hmm. and a flash has to go off because things get imprinted on a piece of film, something along those lines. I think that's why the people had to hold up the big reflective thing and like pull the cannon to just and like Mm -hmm. they would take old school pictures like that. Now you can just use your phone. They work by pointing them at things and clicking the take picture button. That's how cameras work. Great explanation. I, I couldn't have said it better. I guess if I were to describe it a little differently, what I think is that like you started with a camera and there is a lens. And I believe that there are inside that lens, many photographers. Okay. So like think of, you know, elves, think of how quick elves work for Santa. There are basically many elves in there that are classified as photographers and all of them have one dedicated section of the lens And when the button goes, they all click their picture, share it with the team, put it together like a puzzle, and there's your picture. That's what I think and believe happens. I could be wrong. Um, It would be hard for me to explain how then an iPhone camera works, but same concept. So elves are basically, they're responsible for individual pixels. Correct. Okay. I'm pretty confident from my scientific research that that's the case. Um, Great question. Great start to the listener questions. This is a banger. Best sports video game growing up. What do you got? Ooh, that is a hard one. I'm really stuck between two. And I think there's one really easy answer. And there's one answer that just bring back, brings back so many like 
memories and just like nostalgia facts, which is what I'm going to go with. And that's going to be Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Now, that game, first of all, for everyone that doesn't know, they remastered it. They remastered one, two, and three, I believe. Uh, You can go buy it now. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 was just unbelievable. The amount of just things you could do, wires and lines you could grind on that were 16 feet above a school, um, different jumps you could do, all the stuff like collecting skate uh, in one trick, learning how to like revert coming down from a, a jump and, and manualing and, you know, just doing all the things that just like astronomically impossible in person. Not to mention all the songs that I probably never would have heard of in my life. Cause it was a lot of like alternative punk music that I probably would have never listened to outside of playing that and Dave Mira BMX, but Tony Hawk pro skater going through all the levels there. I haven't played it in a long, long time. And I bet you I could pick up the sticks now and it'd be like, I never stopped playing because just, you just, you pop back into that mode where you're just, you're dropping in in Roswell trying to find the tapes around the little all the little easter egg stuff and just collecting skate like i said and just man the amount of nostalgia that, that game brings back you could just play it for hours upon hours and hours and there's always like something you could do some new record you could set or some little like oh you didn't find this thing so go find that and just like new like gaps to like jump and achievement it just it was almost never ending and tony hawk was tier one for me so wow see i and i when i read this question i was thinking football baseball basketball whatever right so you bringing that up is incredible that's why you're the guy that makes me this isn't my choice but this reminds me of remember how good dave mirror was yeah <laughs> or exactly. what was the wakeboarding game sean, uh, sean murray sean murray i'm pretty sure yeah that thing was sweet yeah yes too that was yeah. that was electric Great points by you. Tony Hawk, holy smokes. So good. One of the ones that I was thinking that I'm not going to go with backyard baseball. If anyone out there played it, that was awesome. Um, Really fun. More computer game. Yeah. Um, You got to be back when, back when computer games were, you know, NBA live 97 or whatever (laughs) it was that we had. (laughs) Was it triple a, not triple a, triple play, triple play baseball, 2001. You could hit home runs in the living room. And I I oddly think about that game for this reason is you would have your, uh, the guy that's hitting and you could have a normal stance or you could click the left arrow and it would have an open stance or you could click the right arrow two times and then have a close stance. So (laughs) I think that is pretty cool. Yeah. That was revolutionary. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just like, wow. And then I always had an open stance. I'm going to pull everything. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to get my hands through on that fastball inside. So, but if I were to pick... I would have to go with NCAA football 14 or, or that series, right? 14, right. Or IP and peace, you know, I guess 14 would have pegged me at early twenties, but growing up, that was so awesome. You could, it was just, it was just more exciting than Madden. You could play with so many different teams. You could run the option. Um, You could pitch whenever you wanted to graphics, terrible, but it was awesome. And I think really what makes it most awesome is, well, not awesome, but it makes it nostalgic is the fact that they stopped making it because yeah. of, you know, naming rights and things like that. So it, it's one of those things. It's like Bo Jackson when he got injured and but his his phenomenon and, and the mythology around Bo Jackson grew because of the fact of what could have been. And that is basically the Bo Jackson of video games is what could have been with college football. Hopefully it comes back. Who knows? Bo Jackson could come back and, you know, just play this third down goal line running back guy. But got to go college football. College football is so great. Um, so many different features, different teams, exciting, really great gaming interaction. So that's where I'll go. I think those are some good picks. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll get a poll out to the listeners to see what they think about their favorite sports video game growing up. We can take a chance there and see, see what the people think and get some, get some good knowledge. Last question before we go, the Pro Bowl. B. Bauer wants to know, right now, do you think the Pro Bowl is overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Fair question and something that has gotten mixed reviews over the years. Curious to hear your thoughts, Micah. That is a very, very interesting question. I would say the Pro Bowl is properly rated. And here's why. Because they've got some parts about it that are overrated, and they've got parts that are underrated. So it puts them right in the middle, in my opinion. But essentially, you've got the best of the best playing in one game 
you know, at the same time. And it's not as highly toted as it used to be. It's not as much of a, uh, you know, an award as people, people used to perceive it as you get guys going out there for three and a half quarters, just kind of like kind of playing the, the rules are a lot more lax and days are cool. And then they end up playing hard for like half a quarter because they get a bonus check if their team ends up winning or, you know, different stuff in their contracts like that or, or what have you. So I think that it is properly rated in the sense that like people know what it is. People know what to expect out of it. I don't think unless they were to completely, and they kind of have as of recently brought back some of the extravaganzas of the weekend per se, the, the throwing challenges, the competition stuff. They brought some of that back to spice it up again. I, that was kind of one of the worst things they ever did was get rid of, get rid of those things. Watching like Peyton Manning and, Brett Favre, they were just crow hopping and throwing it as hard as they could to see who could throw the farthest. It was some of the best things ever. It's like no one would do that nowadays, or at least not as hard as that they were trying. It was like, oh, just throw your arm out for no reason at the Pro Bowl. But I think that it is properly rated because it is not as awesome as it used to be. It's not as highly touted as it used to be. It is what it is. It's a fun thing. You know, half the time, to be honest with you, I don't even watch it. I'll maybe watch a little bit if it's on somewhere where I'm at, at a restaurant, at a bar, something. You know, it's I'm, I'm watching it haphazardly. But no one really cares, but they care because they used to care. And it just is what it is. It's one of those things that is what it is every single year. People don't necessarily try. You get a little bit of competition out of it. It is all the greatest players playing in, in a one-stop shop minus the Super Bowl people. But I don't know. I, it's hard to it's hard to argue either way. That's why I think it is properly rated right down the middle. Yeah, that's good points. Um, I would love for them to bring back the who can throw a football the furthest. Yeah. You know, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Uncle Rico. Who knows? Yeah. Right? Who knows can huck it a quarter mile? But I, I think it's overrated. And a couple reasons why is is that it's you know I'm going to be that guy, but like when. Man, I think it was three or four years ago, but Tyler Eifert, he fractured his ankle um, in that game, tied in for the Bengals and and was was never the same. So it can really derail careers. Um, and then you also have the fact where it's in between the Super Bowl and the conference championship where the players in the Super Bowl, which not to say they're the best players in the league, but you're going to have take last year, for instance, you have Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you have uh, Nick Bosa, you know, you have a lot of great players that earned the pro bowl that you're not going to be able to see. So they played around with it and then like, Oh, let's move it to after the super bowl. And players are like, no, like yeah, I'm we don't want to play, yeah. like, you know? Um, so I think like, it's just, it's a cool thing to do. It, they can never do it in the middle of the season, like the MLB all-star game or the NBA all-star game. So I think it's just something that is forced a little bit, but it's necessary and fun and it brings some good revenue in, but I think it's overrated. Um, I think it will be cool if they can put some spin on it and make it fun and not as not as risky for players to participate in. So then we get more participation and really the best players out there. But it's still a fun thing. It's one of the hardest things to ever bet on if you ever did that. You know, I'm just in general thinking could be something that would be tough to bet on. But might be a weird thing. Yeah, you know, it might be a weird. Like there's probably people out there that do bet on the Pro Bowl. But it's just because it's exactly what you mentioned where you, you don't know who's playing. You don't know who's trying their hardest. And then, then they turn on at the end because they want $500,000 bonus compared to a $250,000 bonus for the losers. So one of my biggest issues with it too, not to get too negative here is that it's really about like the selection and like the snubs that bother me because that has a lot to weigh in on, unfortunately of hall of fame. So if you get, so many pro bowls and you're like, Oh, this guy's eight to 10 pro bowls and he'll be in Canton and things like that. But then, and maybe I'm biased, but I've seen it even with other players that aren't on the Raiders, but like Rodney Hudson who gets, you know, snubbed every year, but you're like, this is the best center in the league, if not the second best or even Waller this year where he was arguably the best tight end and you fine, give it to Kelsey because he set the record and he is legit. Right. But, or that's more so the all pro sorry, Waller is on the pro bowl, but all pro also factors into the hall of fame and I have issues with that, but so that, that selecting committee or that the way that that happens, it, it can really determine someone's career and someone's life if they don't make the hall of fame or whatever. But obviously if you're clear path hall of fame or great, but there's some fringe guys that are out there and it's, it could be based on all pros or pro bowls. So 
that's a little bit of, I'm being a little bit of the Grinch here on the end of the listener question, which is a fun question, but I think it's overrated. I think it is, but it also on a positive, it's just more football. Yeah. And more football is more football. And would you rather have the pro bowl or would you rather have a week in between of no football to that? I say <laughs> football. Well, if it makes you, it's not going to make you feel any better at all, but second team, all pro tight end was vacant this year. Right. Because Kelsey got all 50 votes. So they had to make it vacant. I'm like, like, okay, I think you have a little bit, you could use some humans compared to like the software says it's vacant. It's like, yeah. no, just slide in Waller and yeah. let's call it, but ridiculous. But anyways, good questions. Good input. Always fun. B Bauer. Thanks for showing out. You know, who knows if, if that was your week 17 Aaron Rodgers performance that really elevated you to that Raider take listener of the year. Who knows? We'll see what the, the voters say. Hopefully we don't bring in the pro bowl, all pro voters to determine that award, but hmm. We'll see how it goes. Anyways, that's all we got. Gonna be an awesome weekend. Um, really excited. Raider Nation, love you guys. Micah, take us home, man. Yeah, as always, share, subscribe, rate, review, give us those five stars. Continue to show us the love. We appreciate everybody showing us the love. Got a great slate of games this weekend going into it. Next podcast, we are going to get into the running backs as our draft preview continues. Very excited about that. And we hope you all have a great weekend. Love you guys. Micah, peace out. See you a little bit later. Talk to you guys soon. Later.